This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Shut up and sit down. And welcome to our Breakfast with Ben's podcast today on a Tuesday in advance of Steelers training camp. Once we get out to St. Vincent College, all of our podcasts will be brought to you by our friends at Bella Construction, as they were last year. Looking forward to working with them again. Thanks for finding us on our new platform here at Trib Live with the Fans First Network. And we are pleased to welcome to the podcast today a friend of ours. You hear him all the time talking about college basketball and various other topics. It is Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News. And with Mike today, we are ascending to the top of Goat Mountain in Pittsburgh. That's right. The Sporting News has done sort of a Mount Rushmore project with uh, nine cities that have at least three of the four major sports teams in North America, meaning NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and NHL. Uh, Last summer, they did 13 four-sport cities. Now, Pittsburgh, not qualifying for that because they don't have an NBA team. They are the group of cities that the Sporting News investigated for this project this year. Mike, of course, being a Pittsburgh native, lands the honor of coming up with the Pittsburgh version of Mount Rushmore. And he comes up with Roberto Clemente, Mario Lemieux, Mean Joe Green, and Franco Harris. Uh, Mike, first of all, are you only doing Pittsburgh, or do you have to take on some other cities as well? I did. I did much of Tampa's as well this time. I did. Uh, I, I did the lead and the two football players. We have a uh, young person who is a staff writer who is familiar with the area and very familiar with the Lightning. And we had two players from the Lightning make our Tampa Goat Mountain, and so I wrote the two Buccaneers. And he wrote the two lightning players. So that for the last time around, I did, I think, three of them. I know I did Philly and L.A., and I can never remember which the third one was. Maybe Dallas. I think I did Dallas. Uh, and so I did those three last time. This time I did those these two because we were also preparing for the Women's World Cup, and I had a lot of responsibilities for that. Uh, but uh, I will tell you, Tim, when we finished last year, 
I started banging on the doors like we have to do three city, <laughs> three sports cities, because I knew the Pittsburgh one would be fascinating. And that that to me, the the first three choices were easy and automatic. Uh, Roberto Clemente, uh, Mean Joe Green and Mario Lemieux were easy and automatic. I, I didn't think that there was much debate at all about them, although I didn't encounter some yesterday on Twitter. Uh, I But then the fourth one, I thought, I, honestly, the thing that makes it really cool, and I, I did mention this in the article, is that the candidates for the fourth one would supersede a lot of people's first four. The the, the player the players who either made that fourth slot, in, in case of Franco, or just missed, like Sid, Sidney Crosby, Hannes Wagner, Ben Roethlisberger, Terry Bradshaw, Jack Lambert. Mel Blunt, etc. The players who just missed would be easily better than a lot of City's first four. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that dovetails with the point that I was going to make next. Or actually, let me let me get to my point with a question. And that question would be: Can you sort of lay out the rules for us in the sense like? Does it have to be players from those major sports teams, like Dan Marino or Tony Tony Dorsett, for instance? Were they not eligible? I think, first of all, I I, I think it, it's it's important to understand that you had to wear the jersey of a Pittsburgh team. Okay, it didn't have to be those teams. Uh, I, I did not do the Phoenix edition, but I believe Diana Taurasi made our Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix Goat Mountain a year ago. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I went back and looked at it. Yeah, that I, that did yeah, catch my eye. So, so I, TD would have been eligible. Dan Marino would have been eligible, but it 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 would be hard for either of them to do that when you consider that Tony Dorsett played against the Steelers in a Super Bowl. Uh, Dan Marino kept the Steelers from a Super Bowl in 1985. <laughs> yeah, right. So kind of hard to pick them on the, on that basis. And also, uh, I and I went into the meeting not remembering exactly, and maybe it had never come up. I don't think it ever did in the Dallas and L.A. and, and Philly meetings a year ago. Uh, I, I went in there carrying Arnie Palmer as probably my fourth. And right away was told, nope, you had to wear the jersey. So that put Arnie out of the conversation. Tiger Woods had been in the conversation with some, I think San Francisco or whatever, uh, or LA. I can't remember where, where I think guess Tiger's from Southern California. So I think he was in that, like somebody tried to throw him in there and they're like, no, didn't wear the Jersey. Can't be. So Arnie was out, but the college athletes could have without a doubt. Uh, it's just, it's a hard sell one with the fact that they played against Pittsburgh teams and two, like I said before, what they what they were up against. Mike DeCorsi with us from the Sporting News. Yeah, and that leads me to where the path would go for how I viewed this conversation. Because you know this, Mike. If you've done a column in Pittsburgh sports, if you've hosted a sports talk radio program in Pittsburgh sports, you've had the Mount Rushmore conversation before. And, yes, you know, I always default to, as you have said, Mario, Clemente, those two are pretty easy. I can't put the Mount Rushmore together without putting a Steeler from the 70s on it. So like you, I go mean Joe Green. And then when you get to the fourth person, for me, it's always been a debate between Art Rooney, the chief, or Chuck Knoll. And if we're going with just athletes, just players having worn the jersey, 
Well, that opens it up to the names that you referenced earlier. Ben Roethlisberger, Sidney Crosby. I think I would actually go with Crosby as the fourth under those parameters, in large part because for as great, as impactful, as important of the as the Steelers of the 70s were, I wouldn't want to give sort of short shrift to the 2000s, which is a great era of sports in Pittsburgh as well. And I would narrowly choose Crosby over Roethlisberger because of his overall standing within his sport. Right. Uh, as opposed to maybe Big Ben, who, for as great as he was, it would be hard to argue that he was even the best player at his position at the time in the NFL. Right. He was not. I mean, Brady and Manning played at the position at the same time, which was an obstacle for him and the Steelers. I mean, if there was no Tom Brady, uh, the Steelers of the, of the uh, 2000s might have won more than the Steelers of the 70s. Who knows? Uh, I, but I, I, I think that's a really interesting point and one that uh, and one that would have been very well served in our debate, in our conversation, that idea of not, you know, not looking past the 2000s. I, I think that's a really cool point I, to an extent. And, and if you read the article, I talked to Tom McMillan, uh, the former uh, tri- former Tribune Review. Right. Uh, that's, he, he and I got our you know, he and I both got our starts there. Uh, as well as Post-Gazette and ultimately the VP for uh, Public Relations for Communications with the Penguins. Uh, I talked to Tom, and, 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 one, and Mario kind of creeps into there, into that because of his ownership and therefore the uh, the fact that he's t- connected to not only the two that he was on the ice for, but also the three that he walked out on the ice after yeah, uh, because he was owning the club. So it doesn't completely eliminate that. I think that what it came down to for us in our meeting, when there were six or seven staff members in the meeting, was it's Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh starts and ends with football. And there's a lot of important stuff in between from the the Pirates and Penguins to Pitt basketball, to Pitt football, uh, to Duquesne basketball. There's a lot of other stuff that's in there, but it begins and ends with the Steelers. And it was hard for us to picture a uh, a Rushmore, Goat Mountain, whatever you want to call it. It was hard for us to picture that with anything but two, multiple Steelers on it. Multiple Penguins over multiple Steelers didn't seem to reflect the city to us as much as the yeah, other way see, around. That, I would argue with myself on that front on the Ben versus Crosby thing. Or I might even bring Paul Amalo into the equation then. Because right. of the breadth of what the Steelers mean to the city. Um, I think you always have to default to football before hockey. Although here in Pittsburgh, it's a much more close conversation than just about any other city. And frankly, it's more close now because of what Mario did. Um, You know, I, I, I think I still elevate Crosby because of his standing in the sport like I talked about before. But I think the carve-out that you talked about with the Steelers of the 70s, you can fall back to that argument like you did by putting the second player from that era on. And if there is a second player after Mean Joe Green, I do think it's Franco because of what he meant with the Immaculate Reception. I mean, I'm always biased towards Bradshaw in these conversations, but I think covering... 
all those people who spoke about Franco after his death might have changed my mind a few, uh, well, a few months ago. I was going to say a year ago, but it's only still been a few months ago when he passed away. And listening to some of the older folks around the Steelers talk about his impact on the team when he got here in 72. Yeah, I, you know, one of the first things that was said in that conversation after Franco tragically passed away was the, the great Mean Joe Green saying, it all changed when Franco walked in the door. And, and it's easily forgotten, but it's true. They were 1-13 in, in G- Joe's first year, 5-9 uh, and nine his second year, 6-8 and eight his third year. They were getting better. But Franco walks in the door, and pow, they're a playoff team. And through the um, miracle of uh, the Immaculate Reception, they are a playoff winner in that, for, in that uh, 72 season. So it, it, and and he didn't and it wasn't just the immaculate reception. It was, it, it was thousand yard game after uh, thousand yard season after thousand yard season, hundred yard game after hundred yard game, and I you know I've, I had a lot of pushback from Crosby advocates and I told, like I, you know I sat there and enjoyed uh, each of the three uh, Stanley Cup victories uh, that he helped deliver without a doubt and and I so I don't. I don't object this. The whole point is to have arguments about this. So I don't object to anybody pushing Sid, but I do think that people have maybe over time have forgotten how great Franco was in his period uh, and how important he was. And I, I, one of the things that I've been doing over the last week or so um, during my uh, treadmill walks has been watching the, the Super Bowl 10. And I think people forget how much was built around Franco. I mean, you watch that, you watch those games from the, the Super Bowl nine or Super Bowl 10. I mean, and they're handing off all the time. It's, it's not like it was in 20, in 20, in 2005 or 2015 or whatever. Uh, that's the way the game was played then. And so you, you had to have somebody like a Franco uh, or, or, or you better have, you know, you better be really great at a, at, at a lot of other positions. Uh, or you weren't moving the ball at all. Mike DeCourcy with us from the Sporting News. You can check out the Goat Mountain piece from the Sporting News that he put out with, again, Mario Lemieux and Franco Harris, Mean Joe Green, and Roberto Clemente as the Pittsburgh nominees. You referenced Hannes Wagner before. How much conversation was there on him versus Clemente or because of Clemente's social impact and uh, more recent uh, memories? Did that just overwhelm any sort of conversation that you had about Wagner? Yeah, I don't think that there's a debate. I think I think Wagner can get in the debate about that fourth slot, but I don't think you – I mean, you could look around Pittsburgh. You go to a game at PNC Park now, you still see Clemente jerseys. I mean, he's been gone for he's been gone for 50, nearly fifty years, uh, I think over fifty years now. Um, and, and yeah, because and, that the immaculate reception fifty year anniversary was almost immediately yeah. followed by his passing. Yeah, so I I just I I don't think there are very many players that resonate through ba- baseball history in the way that Roberto does. I think you Jackie Robinson certainly, uh, at Babe Ruth certainly. Um, but like after that, I mean, I think that you're talking about it just not in terms of greatness, but in terms of resonance. I think Roberto is in that that pantheon uh, of of baseball players, and I think that part of that, I think the part that's often lost, uh, and I mentioned this in the article, is how he cleared the way, how he made it really more common for the Latin American player 
to to be uh, pursued and 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 coveted by major league teams. There were not any Latin superstars before Roberto. He was he was the first, uh, and and he has so he has that importance as well as the humanitarian importance, as well as massive contributions to two World Series championships. Uh, I I don't think there's any city really that has an athlete. You know, I, I talked about the Clemente Museum and the article that I wrote, and I said, look, you can call it a museum, but in a lot of ways, it's a shrine. And 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 I can tell you, it's not the first shrine to Clemente in the city's history because after he passed away, when I was a kid in the seventies in Elizabeth Township, all my walls were filled with pictures of athletes. Uh, from sport magazines, Sports Illustrated, sporting news covers, they were it was, they were filled. And when Roberto passed, I took one wall and made it entirely a Clemente wall. That's how much he meant to me when I was a kid. I think he still resonates for me personally. Uh, gosh, fifty years later, you would have gone with Palmer though for the fourth one if you didn't have the jersey rule, huh? I think I would have. Uh, because of his again his importance to his sport uh he, he, he was a transformational figure in golf beyond doubt uh, he he made professional golf what it is uh with with his popularity uh, and then the Palmer Nicholas rivalry that made professional golf a massive deal instead of something that was more a curiosity uh, he was he was the transformational figure in the sport of golf uh, and and he was a very proud Western Pennsylvanian. And, and I, I, you know, your, your colleague and my friend, Mark Madden, uh, looks, looked at him and said, yeah, but he's from Latrobe. I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, uh, the one thing I will say, I, I've lived in a lot of different communities now since I had to leave Pittsburgh. I lived in Memphis. I lived in Cincinnati for nearly 20 years. I've been in Indy for nearly a decade. And there's no other city like Pittsburgh where everybody in the region considers themselves attached to the city. Uh, if you ask somebody from Middletown, Ohio, are they from Cincinnati? No, they're from Middletown, Ohio. But, I, you know, I grew up in Elizabeth Township, 20 miles down the Mon River. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm from Pittsburgh. That's where, I, where I've always identified myself as. You mentioned being from other cities or other places. You know, I grew up in Connecticut. I was born in Boston. I worked in Boston for a brief time for about a year as well. And I always think about when these Mount Rushmore conversations come up, you know, Boston is one place where you could easily do one really deserving guy from each of the four sports. And you got to put Brady up there. You got to put Bobby Orr up there. And then every time I think about it, I'm like, all right, I grew up a lifetime Celtics fan. Uh, Am I leaving off Bill Russell or Larry Bird? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in, in the Red Sox conversation, are you leaving off David Ortiz or Ted Williams? And and I think in yours, for the sporting news, I went back and looked, and Bird got left off and Ortiz got left off. But that's that's a tough one to, to you know tell people who are diehard recent Red Sox fans and Celtic fans of the 80s. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You left out you, – you didn't even mention Yaz. I mean, and Yaz, another too, guy sure, yeah. that, could, that, that got a rough ride. Because he he was from a you know from a really a city that had an incredible group of athletes. Uh, there are very few, I think, that out of these groupings that that have better quartets than Pittsburgh's. But uh, I think New York's and Boston's would be two 
where where they could say they were superior. But there aren't very many. Uh, I think that's one of the things that, as I was writing it, that you could feel was how fortunate that that every every one of us has been. I mean, I, obviously, I'm, I'm older than you, Tim, but I mean, I grew I I grew up uh, as someone who was who was aware of Maz's legend. Uh, after he hit the home run, mm-hmm. I, I, I was around for it, but I wasn't aware of it. Uh, and I, so I, I grew up with that. And then of course the 71 series with Clemente and all the, four, the, the 470 Super Bowls, and then the Penguins emerging and then the Steelers, uh, re- returning the Super Bowl, uh, caliber, all of that. I mean, it, it, what a fortunate city Pittsburgh has been in the sporting sense. Uh, and I think that that's, that's a message that, that I would like to resonate a bit with that article, I, I you know, I, I, I hear complaints and, uh, about uh, the Steelers haven't won a playoff game since 2016 or whatever. And it's like, you know, I mean, yeah, but they've been really good and they've had a chance and they've been in the hunt. And I mean, it's not always going to be 1975, but it's like you're never the Lions. I mean, think about it that way. <laughs> I'll end with this. Who would have been your highest-ranking basketball nomination to get there? If you were to put a basketball player on there for a fifth spot or to, to, to be in the fourth spot, who would it have been? Yeah, it's hard for me to go against Sam Clancy. Uh, Sam was something of a contemporary of mine. Uh, he's, he's a little bit older than me, not much. Uh, and for me, uh, you know, I, there, there may have been better players at Pitt before or after, uh, but Sam kind of defined Pitt basketball for me. Uh, that because uh, Pitt always has to punch a little bit above its weight uh, to be good in basketball because it's uh, it's a basketball program that's not in uh, you know it's not in the uh, the the greatest basketball city don't have an NBA team it's not the most uh, successfully played sport uh, but Sam punched way above his weight and I don't mean literally but I mean. Uh, he, he, he fought way above his weight when he was playing for Pitt. Uh, I, I, the, the people have shown the film of the, uh, of the Duke game uh, that he played against, against Mike Jaminski, and, and what a great job that he's, he did in that game. Uh, I, I think that, that Sam still resonates for me as, as my favorite Pitt basketball player. Uh, I, I dealt with a lot of wonderful people. I mean, uh, when, in my four years covering the Panthers and, and people that I'm still friends with, uh, Jason Matthews, Darrell Porter. Uh, I had a ton of fun doing an article with them in this year's NCAA tournament about watching their their brother, as they as they uh, they call Sean Miller, a good friend of mine as well. Uh, their brother play coach against Pitt in the NCAA tournament second round this year down in in Winston-Salem. That was, that was a fun article to do. Uh, but Sam, uh, Sam still for me is kind of, he kind of is the heart of pit basketball. You know what? It, it just struck me. You could cheat a little bit and say Dick Grote, since he was from here, worked for Pitt, played for the pirates, wore that uniform. <laughs> and yeah. he was a hell of a basketball player. Duke could have gone to the NBA, right? Absolutely. One of the all time greats at Duke. If you go to Cameron indoor stadium, a trip that I always recommend, uh, you look in one of the end zones, and they've got okay. That's Grant Hill, and there's Christian Leitner, there's Bobby Hurley, uh, and the first one you see is Dick Grote, the first jersey. And they're not a lot of them. I mean, uh, at Carolina, they've honored a lot of jerseys. There's dozens up there, uh, but at at Duke, there's only about 
uh, I don't know, maybe 15 or so. And the very first one was Dick Groats. He was a phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal basketball player, and a phenomenal person. Uh, we lost Dick not long ago. I got to know him as well when I covered uh, the Panthers. And having him as, as a friend, although I didn't get to see him a lot uh, over the last couple decades, uh, having him as a friend was a real treasure. Awesome, Mike. It was a real fun read. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you were the guy to write the Pittsburgh chapter. And uh, let's catch up again soon during college basketball season, okay? Anytime, Tim, for you. All right, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News and the Breakfast with Ben's podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.